Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I was a bouncing in and laughing as we rolled down an old dirt road. Daddy looking in his rear view, hoping that we just hang on. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode 10 of the ARD podcast. Damon, I, I'm Connor Ferguson here with Damon Hogevald. Do we have a party now? Um, a milestone episode, right? Is that what they call this? We need to have, like, confetti and cake and champagne and all sorts of celebration stuff, man. I need to figure out a way to get home earlier on uh, Sunday nights after weekend trips like that. <laughs> I know. We were going to go, we were going to record yesterday, uh, but we didn't have a guest lined up. And I fell asleep like once I sat down when I got back from uh, Manhattan, Kansas for the mm-hmm. Iowa State football game. Uh, so we said we're going to get a guest and do it tonight. So we'll have Eric Bridger on. Uh, we'll talk to him later. Great dude. Um, Damon, you had. A fun week at Damon's uh, Columbia College bowling team got top 20 in a tier one tournament. I don't know what those means, <laughs> what, what any of that means, but Damon, go off on what, what did you guys do this weekend? We, uh, we finished 17th out of 26 teams in Wichita. So we were both in Kansas this weekend. Um, but we, we finished 17th, uh, tier one tournament basically is you, you, the higher you finish, the more points you get. And, uh, these tier ones bring out some of the best teams across the country and, uh, 26 pretty solid teams. We finished 17th and the, the coach in me is like, we, uh, we, we really should have been better. I mean, after day one, we, we were 14th and within reach of 10th place. And instead we finished 17th. So the coach in me is, is disappointed at times, but, uh, it's a, it's a great group. And then, you know, last weekend at Waterloo, we finished third. So, uh, first weekend out to finish third and then back it up with a 17th and a good showing pretty, pretty happy with the team. And we had some, we had a good, good team meeting. That's kind of why I'm running a little bit of late here. We had a good team meeting in practice today. So. Absolutely. So is a tier one, like the higher, the higher, the tier, I guess, lower the number of tier, the more points you get. Yep. Essentially. Yep. That's exactly it. Because, you know, they, they only do tier one or tier two. The tier twos are a lot smaller tournaments, um, not as many teams and sometimes not near as good a competition, but you know, the higher you finish in those, you get more points. But if you finish top 10 at some of these tier ones, you're getting close to 130, 150 points, which is, 
is huge. So what do you, what do you aim for at the end of the year? Um, How many teams go to the big tournament? We need top 64. Uh, we got to finish in the top 64 in the entire country out of like 200 and some odd teams. If we finish top 64 in PowerPoints, we uh, get to go to sectionals. And uh, then out of sectionals, they take the top four teams on to nationals. So. I love it. Well, if I ever get down, is there any refs I can yell at at the bowling meets? No, but I wish there was. It makes okay. my job easier. That was... <laughs> I want to do that so bad. I want to find, I want to see Damon coach cause he's a great guy. I can imagine he's a fantastic coach. Um, so good to hear that you guys are yeah. at least happy with where you're at now. Um, Manhattan was cool. I was going to say, I got I need to go back and watch the game cause the crowd wasn't that loud from where we were sitting. Uh, but that, really, I think it was just from where we're sitting from what see, everyone else is telling me about how, what it looked like on TV and what it looked like when they watched it back. We got done on Saturday like a half hour after kickoff. And so we went to dinner and I made sure I told, I told the girls, I said, we're going somewhere that I can watch the Iowa state game. And so we did, and they had the volume going, obviously being in Wichita, they had the Kansas state game. So we, they had the volume going and it was, it sounded like it was pretty loud. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, every, everyone's told me it was loud. I have nothing to complain about in Manhattan, though. Every Kansas State fan we met was nice. Um, I want to say 99 out of 100 were wearing a purple shirt. Like, I'm not kidding you. Every that's piece crazy. of Kansas State apparel was printed on something that's purple. But I, it was amazing consistency. That's that's insane considering – yeah, that, that's that's pretty cool. They had uh, they had How a guy the, Did you try the nachos? No, I couldn't find them. Oh, what? So I'm sitting right next to the beer garden. You go to the beer garden, you get beer anytime during the game. It is the best thing. You got to stay in that little area, but you can see both big screens. So like I would see it's up 20, 20 to seven. And I'm like, well, we're just driving down the field right now, taking our lonesome time. And, you know, dude, it's that cool, uh, Colin Klein-esque, uh, I'm taking Chris Williams comparison. <laughs> uh, but it's that drive 18 play drive down the field. And I watched it all with my, one of my good friends from elementary school's older brother. And so him and I were buying each other drinks, talking to K state fans and just awesome, awesome night. Uh, and to see them win there for the first time since I was six, like it's crazy. I know we throw that arrowhead series in there and that's like my childhood of that rivalry was just like, they're going to go play at the chief stadium, but Mm -hmm. It doesn't feel that was like in the thick of it when I was growing up. I was like, "Oh, neutral field game, let's go!" Right? But yeah, and that it, was a, really weird seeing a win over there. That was the thing is I couldn't. Someone had asked me earlier in the week. I was like, "When was the last time that they had won over there?" And I said, "I told them. I said I think it was back when Mac was still coaching, because both of of Chiswick's games were at Arrowhead, and the I think anyway, and then yeah, and then when. No, well, I, I know it's, what, hard, it's yeah. hard to go back to that. I can't quite remember, but I know like even in the good Paul Rhodes years, like yeah. when it came back from the Arrowhead mean? series, like even in those years, like Colin Klein was the, mm-hmm. so like you're not getting anything past those Kansas state teams with the Iowa state teams that were on the field. Exactly. Couldn't, couldn't find a way to beat them. And, um, so it's, it's cool to see him win over there and, uh, glad you got to go see it. Yeah. So I did. Yeah. I, we, uh, we started off this week 
a little different uh, talking about our stuff. Let us know if you like that or if we need to shut up about it. I think we have pretty interesting careers, uh, me and Damon. I find myself at a different place every week, and it seems and it's tiring sometimes, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. So, Hey, we've been traveling the last two weeks. I've spent literally every day with the same 11 uh, bowlers, and so it's it's been uh, it's been chaotic. It's been enjoyable, and you never know what you're going to get. Hey, we love to see it, and Columbia's winning the national championship at some point. I'm not guaranteeing so. it. We're all guarantee it, like on episode 20 or so. We'll get more right. milestones. We'll get higher. There we um, go. We'll start. Yeah, we'll start with qualifying. But uh, over the weekend, we can recap a lot of uh, fun sports moments, a lot of fun races, and we crowned another champion, obviously. Uh, congratulations to Tim McCready for winning the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series uh, title. Uh, Damien, I don't know if this surprised you on the rundown at all. He's the seventh person ever to win a Lucas title. That's it. That's, that's insane. And I know they haven't only been around since I go too, but it's, uh, it's crazy to think about. So they've only been around since Oh two. So you're looking at, at 19 years, right? Yeah. Math, right. Yeah. 19 years of, of racing and you only have seven champions let me uh double check here and make sure i got my years right oh five that's, i'm sorry that's crazy so even less but yeah, still so 16 years seven seven champs well, that's cool it's cool anytime you can uh see a new guy put his name into that and uh he definitely deserved it he hit 38 yeah. feature races 31 top tens that's an incredible success rate for uh that field on uh, that series of drivers and everything like that um also and i'm trying to get both these guys on the show if you if you know anyone close to him reach out i haven't gone through any of the friends of friends or anything like that um but i win ricky thornton jr uh wins the weekend so the dirt track world championship is what they call the race and that pays 100 grand on its own uh so he beat his previous best career win of twenty thousand to win uh by 80 grand uh, wow. winning the last race of the season and also taking home the series rookie of the year. award. He's got some good startup money for next year. Absolutely. I mean, you got to love that. Uh, there's a lot of late model races coming up around the season. So it'll be interesting to see how many he does. I know he, uh, he did say in his quote, he's like, I want to be uh, a top tier late model driver full time, you know, normal name in the series and he said that's a huge step towards it so it's good to know that that at least solidified things more than uh they were in the past for him that's really yep. interesting to hear yeah that that's good for him and um you know i i've heard that name for a long time obviously being around around the state but that's that's still that's cool yeah it's a great time um i don't want to miss anything for that, but uh, we do have some late model races coming up, and through the uh, off season, late models are pretty frequent on the off season racing schedule right now, or that's what I call it at least. It's all the stuff that you know, it's like a a race here and there, something here and there that's not usually points based. Um, and we'll get right back to it. It's the shortest off season in sports, and we love that, and that's why it's mm -hmm. called Always Race Day. We'll find stuff for you to watch. Trust me, I'm, I've been searching every day for it. So that's awesome. Um, on Sunday, I or <laughs> I said Iowa State for some reason. NASCAR went to uh, Texas. I 
I'm really screwed. This whole You're trying to get everything pushed a week ahead I guess to the so. wrong sport in the. Well, in I was the in right Kansas, state. and yeah, <laughs> I got I got everything messed up, man. But NASCAR goes to Texas. Kyle Larson uh, punches his ticket to the championship for uh, in Phoenix uh, for the title race. Damon, we we still have people bitching about the damn playoff format, <laughs> and I just wish they'd take that energy and move to the 550 package. Right. I'll tell you this. um, The playoff format is what everybody, you know, what other major sports use your best team in the regular season doesn't always win it, but um, there is a good chance of them actually coming out and winning it. However, I did see something on Twitter today and I think Jeff Gluck retweeted it, but the, the points battle, between Larson and Hamlin is tied with three races to go by original points. Yeah. So, that's like, that's classic points. Um, without like the five point lap bonus, it's exactly. not, it's, I think it's like 40 points to win and one to finish last. Yep. I'm pretty sure that's what they're using. No stage points, yep. nothing like that. Um, and he's tied with Denny Hamlin. I, I love the Larson fans too, that come on and they're like, they're tweeting just, Twitter fingers all day long. If Kyle Larson doesn't win the title, that's the last evidence I need to know NASCAR's playoff system is crap. (laughs) And it's just funny to me. Like one guy did it last week. He spent his whole afternoon doing it. And then I called him out on him. He's like, I was not doing that. It's like, you're in every famous guy's replies next to me, bitching about the playoff format. Cause Kyle Larson (laughs) might not make it because he got in some serious trouble at the Rebel, And he's now won that race and the race after. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is now guaranteed a spot in the title race. So first time uh, in his career too. Yeah. And if it's, and if you're on classic points, Kyle Larson could still lose the title. Right. Right. Denny That's Hamlin might it. not even make it there. That's just it. The, it's they, all based on performing every single week. And I, as, as shitty and backwards headed as this is going to make me sound, with the 550 package like that and those tracks racing the way they are, if it, if it keeps going in that direction, then I'd be more of an advocate for NASCAR to do that playoff playoff system. Cause it's just the fastest car is going to be in the front and then it's going to be impossible mm-hmm. to pass. Yeah, absolutely. And here's the, here's the thing about it is we go to Kansas this weekend, right? And Larson dominated there in the spring. And had he not had that late race restart that he got stuck behind or got put behind Blaney because of a bad pit stop, he he's got that race in the bag. So what's to say coming here in the fall, he doesn't go and dominate Kansas and now puts another driver into um, um, almost an even more must win situation at Martinsville of all places. Yeah. And that's the thing with, uh, that's what I'm going to get into in this column. But I guess the biggest thing I'm trying to say is Cliff Daniels is going to come out and prepare that car and try to win. Mm-hmm. Kyle, well, Larson, Kyle Larson is going to drive the race like he drives any other race, and he's going to go out and win. I don't think we were having that conversation if William Byron had caught Larson at the Roval, would Larson have moved over and let Byron win? And I think, I think everyone so. I've talked to has concluded that he would not. I don't think so. And is that going to change for Chase Elliott? I don't know. I doubt it. I really, I really do. 
Um, Chase is much better at Kansas than he is at Texas. Uh, Texas mm-hmm. is not his uh, cup of tea for a racetrack for whatever reason. Um, but we'll go, we'll go there. We'll see that if Larson wins, that will be like a relief to the other playoff drivers in terms of, okay, I didn't win. And the six other people that I don't want to see win also didn't win. So like mm-hmm. at least Larson got it. Larson or someone on the outside. That's yeah. what they're all cheering for. They want that playoff, uh, those extra tickets to go through to Martinsville, make it easier for him for a cutoff race. Now, exactly. That's, and I think that's what we should see or what we should look for because every year a new playoff driver wins this round. I don't, I don't recall a year where it was not uh, two spots left for Phoenix going into Martinsville. Um, Kyle Bush won last year, right? At Texas. And he was not in the playoff at that point. So I don't know if that was well. You put a hole in my plan there uh, of what I was trying to say. So more often, no, I completely forgot about it. I was pretty sure that I I couldn't remember, but for some reason that one just stuck out because that was the Wednesday race. Yes, you're right. Um, It just feels yeah, it feels like every year, you know, there is two spots left once we get to Martinsville, and it's Mm -hmm. whoever wins that race and the best guy on points. Yep. And so now that the best guy on points is out with Larson, he's already ahead. Mm-hmm. You're really chasing stage points. All I think the whole top, let me think, everyone but Logano and Trex is what I wrote down, yep. uh, is going to be looking at stage points. And I'm sure they will early in this next race because that 10 is huge. That 10 was huge for Kyle Bush. That pushed him above the cutoff line, mm-hmm. uh, that one stage win. So yep. it doesn't pay a playoff point, but I still expect them to be chasing that stage. Absolutely. And, you know, to talk about the point of should Larson win at Kansas, it would be almost worst case scenario for those below the cut line, because now that only gives them one more chance to, to get in based on, on a win and you're below the cut line already. It makes it even more difficult to, to gain points. So, you know, there, I, there. Yeah, I was, I was trying to kind of speak in the terms of like, if I can't win the race, this is right. What I'm about to right. You know? Absolutely. That, and that's just it, you know, as someone that's above those, those three that are above the cut line, I would almost say yes to that. But if you're below it, you're, you're wanting to, you know, you're hoping that maybe you get a, you get up there enough to have a chance. I, I don't know, honestly. Yeah. And well, correct me if I'm wrong on this too, but I think we'll see it as we keep moving along in this playoff format. Um, stage points are going to keep looking bigger. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the first driver to like really hunker down and chase after those while he's in the playoffs, maybe we'll see someone like really go after it at some point. And it's not an easy thing to just win all the stages. Right. But right. Well, and you know, the year that, that MTJ won his title, that was what they lived and died on. Right. Yeah. Was, they they got a ton points. of playoff points from winning stages because yeah. he was leading every race. Right. So, you know, they, they lived and died on, on stage points throughout the year. And then, you know, they go into the playoffs and, one, I think they won the first race of each of the first two rounds and, and then punched their ticket in and, and you know, that they, they lived and died on stage points, man. Absolutely. So let's, 
uh, run through this real quick. So Larson advances. He's into the next round. Ryan Blaney uh, above the cutoff by 17. Denny Hamlin is nine to the good. Kyle Busch is eight uh, points in. Then Chase Elliott is eight out. Brad Keselowski, 15 out. Truex is 22. Wagano's 43 back. So we'll see uh, what happens kind of at Kansas. You know what's funny, though, about those four drivers below the cutoff line? All four of them have wins at Kansas. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking at my picks earlier today. Uh, I haven't narrowed it down yet. Elliott's going to be up there. Uh, The Hendrick cars have been good on the 550 tracks. Mm -hmm. So I I think he'll, he'll be all right. And we'll probably talk more about this on uh, Thursday or Friday, whenever we put that one out. Um, But yeah, it's, it's just such a weird, like this whole package and this whole like mile and a half thing. Like there's a ton of guys that had issues on Sunday. Mm -hmm. There's a Logano blowing his first engine in six years. Um, Martin Truex is damaged. Denny Hamlin getting just screwed the pooch into mm-hmm. um, and what they were able to salvage or not salvage. Like I don't anticipate Kansas being that chaotic, but I didn't anticipate Texas. I, I mean, I anticipated Texas less to uh, produce a race like that. Yeah. I, you know, it's the, the luxury of it is I've seen both sides of that Kansas race uh, where it's been chaotic and cars are flying all over the place. And then I've been to the Kansas race that it's been follow the leader and it's been pretty boring. So I've seen both Kansas races. I'd like to see, you know, a little bit of a shakeup in there, but um, you know, going back to the, the playoff grid itself and the eight drivers that are in it, when was the last time or even any time, but think about the eight drivers that are in the playoffs still, and they truly are the eight best drivers this season. You know, you think about it from years. That's that's why I was in a, in a final four. And uh, that same year, Jeff Gordon, who wasn't the greatest during the year, he was in the final four. And, and so you've, you've got some of those, those, one-off storyline type deals of they weren't great, but they were consistent and they're now onto the round of eight. And this and year I think that's, it's that's the best eight. The great thing about this format is, is that that can happen. Like you can still have guys like that and maybe they won't win a championship. And if they don't, they probably didn't deserve it. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you got it down to that one last race, that's why I wish they'd rotate the last race, but also Phoenix is just going to sell out and have everyone down there. And, you know, it's the same do way. What it makes, do what makes Homestead. you more money. I get it. Um, it was the same yeah. way it was at Homestead. I mean, they brought in some big names to be at Homestead and, and they were always going to sell out, but you know, I, I will live and die on the Hill that the championship race should be in Miami. I will live and die on that Hill. That's probably, I didn't, I didn't think, what if they said Iowa Speedway? Well, then I would, I would back that, but All right. let's be, let's <laughs> be honest. We got Damon off the hill pretty quick. Let's be honest though. November in Newton. I, mm, dude, ice race. 
Oh my god. We got dirt already. Let's go. I thought you Put don't like this. on those tires. What's up with you and these not having gimmicks stuff and now all of a sudden you're bringing gimmicks in? Come on. No, 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 no. It's completely different. I said you can't <laughs> complain about gimmicks when you're a dirt racing fan. <laughs> I don't I'm there's some gimmicks I don't care for, but I'm very picky and choosy and selective on what So you're okay with like. an ice race. Yeah. That's terrible. On a hockey Get rink, I like the second intermission of a Dallas Stars Nashville Predators oh game at the goodness. Cotton Bowl. Get off my screen. That's that would be amazing. amazing. You only need four cars on the rink at that point because it's so small. Like that'd be a perfect setting for a championship. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. I, I think that's a dream pipe dream of mine that I'll probably never see. <laughs> Yeah, no, you'll never see it unless you do it in your backyard with your lawnmower. You well, might we could do it chance. at Bristol and put the rink in the infield. Have both sports going at the same time. Well, you don't need that. That's that's a gimmick. Well, then I don't want to hear it. <laughs> I don't want to. Oh my goodness! All right, let's uh, let's go into some news to look for uh, this week and kind of what transpired a little bit today. Um, Looks like the word is that Denny Hamlin uh, and his 2311 team are going to run push his car or the second car, uh, whichever one they would deem for that as an uncharted race car. Without getting into too much of the fine details there, it's a bit of a risk. You're not guaranteed a spart- starting spot every week. Uh, that just means you need a really solid start to the season, and they have better cars than Rick Ware Racing, so I can't imagine that being an issue. Rick Ware Racing is going to have a car repossessed by NASCAR if they don't get four points above their own car. So yeah, you're absolutely right. And I saw that. But before we change real quick on that, I, I was going to ask, where did you see that? I hadn't even seen that at. How did that come about? And and is there something? I mean, is, is there still something in the works? Because I heard the front row deal kind of fell through. Yeah, uh, I was actually going to type that quote out, and I got distracted. <laughs> Thank you for. Uh, bringing it up again here it is um adam stern uh tweeted it out today it's a uh, story from the athletic though um it's jeff gluck's column but uh denny said on a possibly having to run the second car without a charter uh it certainly is not going to be financially good for us but this whole fucking sport is financially not good for us what's the difference um that's a legend quote right there it is he's he's fed up with that he's fed up with the playoff format and he's kind of turning into a little like uh more respected kevin harvick he's get he's getting the old man syndrome is that fair harvick's still obviously fed up with chase elliott for some reason i think that's really funny to watch that's that's a little rent-free joke that i don't care to make but i just guess i just did but then he's starting to act like his teammate that drives the 18 car I see. I think Kyle Bush is more backed in his complaints. I think Denny and Harvick, Denny, Denny draws more of a uh, comparison to Harvick to me because he's on NASCAR's rear about the stuff that they're kind of screwing with. The only time Kyle Bush says anything is when he's getting screwed in a bad situation. The, like the last time we saw him go real ballistic was the rain thing at New Hampshire. And he said, whatever I say, they're going to find me anyway. So I guess I just won't say it. They know what I, they know what my feelings are. And right. how pissed you are at him hitting the pace car. That was that awesome. Was completely NASCAR's fault. That was an awesome moment. NASCAR should fucking pay him for not saying anything. Honestly. Yeah. 
Well, here's the thing. They, they the, could have. They were very clearly in the wrong. Kyle so. Kyle Bush gets Kyle Bush gets so much hate and the, you know, people are always saying, you know, he's bitching about this and complaining about that. But if you actually listen to the context of what he's saying, it comes with a lot of good reason, like the Xfinity truck series starts that he's limited to. He said, you know, he goes out and wins it and everybody's looking for a new rule to keep cup drivers out chase or kyle larson yeah and i think that's somebody else goes in i think that even gets more soured in the fact that they can only run five xfinity races Mm -hmm. but now we're all watching kyle larson run dirt races and be like dude this guy's awesome he's winning everything he's so cool like everyone loves larson doing it kyle bush was hated on for just winning Xfinity truck races i think kyle bush has never driven hasn't hasn't driven a sprint car against the world of outlaws guys so what do you expect him to do you know I think the difference is the fact that Larson's doing it in multiple disciplines every day of the week. Well, he's doing it in disciplines that NASCAR doesn't have a ruling over. Right. They they couldn't be bothered to look at what it is and really pay attention. So I, I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's going and winning in multiple disciplines every day of the week. And, you know, he goes from driving a late model to a sprint car to a cup car. He was in a go kart last week. The right. day before Texas. Yeah, with Greg Ives' son. Yeah. Like the week, you know, so he, he does that in a week span, runs all those types of cars in a week span. That I think that's what makes it impressive. Kyle Bush running an Xfinity race on, on a Saturday, I don't see a problem in it either. You know, I grew up on watching Carl Edwards dominate the, the uh, nationwide series at the time because – or the year that Denny Hamlin literally flew cross country to go run in the Milwaukee uh, mile race after Eric Almarola put it on the pole for him. I mean, yeah, it, that's, that's just cool stories like that, that people at the time got fed up with. And it's mm-hmm. funny to see how it's going to uh, going towards now, but let's yeah. move on a little bit. Larson will be, uh, I believe in the Romley number six late model uh, for the Castro flow racing nine America race on Wednesday. Um, so keep an eye out for that. That'll be on flow racing. Uh, Ty Gibbs is going to win the ARCA championship this week. They race at Kansas on Friday, I believe Damon. Uh, yeah. Friday yes. night, I believe. Friday. Is that right. Oh, Saturday night. Oh, so it's, it's after the, it will be after the X-Men race. race on Saturday night. So that'd be it's sweet. normally on Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. Normally they do a separate night for it. Maybe they're, some with COVID, some with fans in the stands. I don't know. I that should remember. be a uh, fun time for people down there to do. Hopefully we get to go to that next year. Uh, I'll be a name Saturday. Are you going to be a name Saturday? No, we have a tournament in St. Louis. Otherwise I'd be in Kansas. Probably there we go. The land with one Stanley cup now. Cause I can't yeah. say no cups anymore for the blues. Oh, well, <laughs> we'll get over it. Stars are one and two. Um, and then the last thing I have written down is the U S grand prix uh, is this week in Texas uh, at circuit of the Americas um, in peak F1 fashion. And everyone always asks me why I hate F1. Uh, they have decided to go straight up start at the exact same time as the NASCAR cup series race. So mm-hmm. if you're wondering why uh, I think it's kind of shitty. Uh, also, yeah. if you're telling me that we need to cater to their uh, TV standards cross seas, uh, we wake up at seven o'clock every week to watch it. Why don't they, why don't they wake up a little earlier? Huh? Yeah, well, 
That that's your hill to die on. I'm, I I'm am. Gonna I'm gonna die. There. I'm gonna die on it right here. Those prissies over there need to uh, get up at seven and eight like a real man. Watch <laughs> some cars going around. Going around, they're, they're like in a line together. It's like watching a train. Yeah, but passes are really, really, really cool because there's only like three. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> it's electric. Oh, All right, we gotta get Bridger in. We gotta get Eric on here before I say more stupid shit. <laughs> this is what happens when we delay the podcast one day. It's like mm. all the talking points that we were going to seriously talk about yesterday have gone down the drain, out the window. Sick of hearing them. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, coming up next, Eric Bridger. Uh, after this break. All right, guys, welcome on to the show. A very special guest. He is a two-time Pace Pro Sprint 305 champion at Knoxville Raceway. And I got us the best 305 driver to ever race uh, or step foot on the grounds at Knoxville Raceway. It's Eric Bridger. Eric, thanks for uh, coming on the show with us tonight. Yeah, I appreciate it. Guys, I appreciate having me on tonight. I thought Eric was way more humble than that, Damon. He did not even contest that at all. He's like, yeah, that's me. Well, you yeah, know, I love it. I love it. When he you came right out and he's like, yeah, <laughs> I'm here. Well, I want to go that far. I mean, I think, uh, was it Stelzer? I think Stelzer's on top of the win list. So I mean, that's, uh, we're trying to start the rivalry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll, have, get... on in a mo- we'll have him on in a month. And at the end tonight, we'll we, give you like 60 minutes to say anything bad about him. Usually most people of the, most people listening won't get to that last minute. So you're completely set there. And then when he's on, we'll have him do the same for you. Yeah. Yeah. We're pretty good. You were friends with us. You were friends with us first too. So we'll tell you everything he says. There you go. I like that. <laughs> we so, start uh, rivalries here. Yeah, right. So uh, Eric, we're let's uh, we'll, we'll start at Kansas, I guess. Um, Eric is headed down to, I don't even know the nickname for the state. I was just there. Two days ago. Thank you. Um, he's headed down there uh, for the World of Outlaws race Friday, and then the NASCAR weekend at Kansas on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, how pumped are you to see that? I am. Uh, you know, usually we don't get to go outside of Knoxville or watch the Outlaws race. I think the last time we've been down there was uh, I. Well, last time we've been outside Knoxville has either been at Clay County when they raced there couple years ago or I 80 speedways. So, uh, to watch the outlaws race at non Knoxville track is pretty exciting. And, and, uh, you know, with the sprint cars being, a you know, with Kyle Larson, I was kind of a fan growing up when he started up in sprint cars. So, uh, to see him race Sunday at his prime, well, I don't know if it's the prime now prime might be a couple years later, but to see Larson race there Sunday, uh, hopefully he can pull off the W and see, see a good race there Saturday and Sunday too. So, what are the uh, what are the going odds on him showing up with Paul Silva on Friday night? I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I hope it does. I know but... he wasn't even planning on running the uh, National Open. The only reason he ran that was because he won Kings Royal in Knoxville. Yeah, because I mean, if his car was in Pennsylvania last time, I mean that's pretty far track just to go to Lakeside because they they don't race anywhere Saturday. So if he flies in Friday night, what's he going to do Saturday? There's no sprint car race anywhere around. Right. So. They should just run a second race there. Maybe he'll run the Arca race. <laughs> Give Ty Gibbs a run for his money. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine him just getting a Venturini ride for that? How many people that complained about Kyle Busch doing it in the next <laughs> new series would yeah. 
just be like, oh, Larson's running the ARCA race. I'll watch it now. Let's go. Right. Yeah. He's up front by half a lap. Hey, they're all about marketing and packing that house for the ARCA race. Okay. I don't turn, don't make me. No, Damien, you're turning me into a villain against the ARCA series. I love ARCA. I love what they do and what, what, uh, that series is, uh, for and everything. Uh, maybe Eric could get an ARCA, right? Maybe we got to do that. I, I need a quarter million dollars. So maybe I can win at the casino Friday night. <laughs> I don't think the purses get on back that. So we'll take yeah. some of the sponsors that are calling in every week, trying to sponsor the podcast. And we'll yeah. So I was almost dead. So I got to put it on the charger. <laughs> All right. Uh, Eric is also, I mean, well, what do you want to talk for? We'll talk the Knoxville stuff first. Let's do, let's let's do that. Do, yeah. Let's do racing. And then I think you want to, you want to save, he's a big Illinois football fan, but we'll save that. Let's um, put a time limit on that. This is a racing <laughs> podcast. <laughs> so, uh, Eric, <laughs> we want to get into everything, man, especially yeah. uh, now that we're getting into the cold time of year and, uh, when there's less racing going on. So yeah. Eric, um, won a couple of, 305 championships in a row uh, in commanding fashion, setting a lot of records, consecutive win records, all that stuff. Uh, he jumped up to the 360 class. It's really tough to make money in the 360 class, especially when you're racing a lot uh, more at Knoxville and not doing the whole uh, national or regional thing. And even then it's really tough. Um, the purse kind of in 360s and in the top 360 tours are run by the same people that watch 300 guys go to the chili bowl and give the winner $10,000. So you can imagine it's pretty tough to make money at that level of sprint car racing. Eric has since transitioned back to the three Oh fives. Uh, and I think you're trying to chase another title next year in the three Oh fives, right? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be correct. But it's probably going to be the full year. So we'll be doing that. Um, you know, after that, I don't know what's going to happen. This comes down to, you know, family and dollars and cents and all that too. But, uh, that would be probably the plan coming here in 20, was it 2022? Yeah. 2022. So, uh, <laughs> I had yeah. to do a double take on that yeah, a couple days ago. Take. Yeah. <laughs> um, what are you most looking forward to then? And kind of in the three Oh five, like region, are there any big races outside of the weekly race at Knoxville that you're probably going to run? Um, so hopefully we go back qualifying in the, well, they call it the pro sprints class now, but I think that's going to get changed because pace, pace loss, pace switched out of pace. It's not pace performance anymore. It's going to be whatever out of what the class is going to be called. Do I have to go to a new name again? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Cause so pace it used so to be, bad, this is gonna be tough for me. <laughs> Yeah, it used to be pace performance out of Ohio, but now since uh, Don Blackshear and his uh, the CT five twenty five program, it's uh, he moved that to Robert Yates Racing earlier this year, like around March or February. So, um, so I don't know what it's going to be called now. It's definitely not going to be called pace pace performance. So uh, it'll probably be I don't know Robert Yates class or something like that. Something. Something like that. So, but we can call it three or fives. But um, hopefully next year we can go back qualifying. Um, my biggest bit about that is if Knoxville wants it to be a feeder class, they really need to put that back in. Because if you're going to not teach a young driver how to qualify and they expect them to go three sixty racing well, 
you're racing, racing with the men, but you, you don't have any experience, you know, doing anything with it. You know, you got guys like Clint Garner, you got guys like Jimmy, Jamie ball, you know, Ryan Giles. Um, I know I'm missing a couple of guys, but guys who know yeah. how to qualify really well. Yeah. yeah. Guys, especially when it comes to July and August, you're, you're going to be really doing split qualifying, you know, before the 360 nationals. And if you're, if you're four tenths off, you're going to be starting back new heat race. I mean, if you're four tenths off in the pro sprint class and qualifying, you might have a chance. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, they definitely, I think, I don't know if we're having a rules meeting or like rules owners meeting at the banquet coming up here in about a month or so, but if they do, I hopefully they go back to qualifying, but you know, next year is just hopefully try to chase for another championship. You know, definitely Tyler, Tyler definitely set the ball, a ball pretty high on that. So, I mean, he's got, uh, he's got a lot of wins this year, but, uh, definitely watch some races from this past year during the winter and see what he's doing versus to what we're doing. So it's definitely a, uh, cool thing. I want to get into kind of what Eric's saying uh, a little bit for the people outside uh, everything, but they used to have qualifying for the, we'll call the 305 division tonight. <laughs> I, I'm going to memorize the name next year and I'm going to be great at it. Watch. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be till October that I really get that. Uh, but so they used to have qualifying for them. Now they do this season. They did a random draw. Um, and what happens is it's easier to block in those cars, especially when you're inexperienced, you could even block on accident. Um, so it's harder to run through the field, even if you have a faster car, uh, on that track, especially during a heat race when the track might not be perfect. Um, so Eric would find himself like starting in last in the heat race for no reason other than he just sucks ass at drawing. Kyle Larson's great at drawing. Let's get better there. Eric. <laughs> I actually was pretty good. I got five heat race wins this year, but you know, going back to your point, it's just, if those wins probably came from the front row. I don't think it came from second row back. And if you start six out of six in a heat race and you got six laps, well, you know, if you only pass two cars, your best you can hope for is to get a eight car invert, which Knoxville does, you know, for non diehard racing fans of Knoxville, uh, they'll add up your points from the heat race and passing points and they'll draw from uh, zero to eight. And if you draw eight, well, that's about the only thing you can hope for you, you know, compared to one in your heat race, you can hope from a zero to a four and you'd be pretty decent. So. Yeah. And even, uh, even drawing a six there after you go from six to fourth in a heat race and six laps, which is yeah. difficult to do, um, yeah. especially at that track. If you don't draw that eight, you're starting eight. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's difficult. Uh, and if you let me and Damon know, we'll come with beers and picket signs uh, to the rules. Yeah. <laughs> Down yeah. From that. yeah. Well, you know, the biggest thing, the, my best comparison on the current format is, uh, and I'm not here to complain, you know, we're in it. Just go. No, you tell, you tell yeah. me what to complain with and I'll do it for you. Well, the biggest He's thing, pretty my, good at that. <laughs> yeah. my, my biggest comparison to is going to Prairie Meadows and going to the casino and putting $25 a year. Well, it's more than $25 on what you're spending, you know, the brain, your crew, your feel, you're spending 200 bucks to go bet on having to get a pill draw for your night. Can you overtake it? Yes. Is it difficult? Yes. Do you need some luck? 
well, probably. Yeah. I mean, there's been some heat races where you have some crashes and you get the past two cars, but it makes your life 90% easier to draw a 10 versus drawing a 70 on the pill sheet. So. Absolutely. And do you, uh, by any chance, do you know, Stelz, I'm guessing Stelzer will be back. Will be back. Uh, is Tyler coming back to the 305 class? So when I talked to him during a championship, he didn't and if know. you're asking why I'm not saying his last name, it's like Gronendick. Yeah. Gr- I don't know the actual pronunciation. I did yeah, not pretty, want to screw. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Gronendick. Um, I could be wrong too, but that's just based on what, uh, Black Coven and Chris Krug say on the microphone. But, uh, I think Tyler, I don't know. I mean, it probably depends on him. It depends on him for money and sponsorship. He did some 360 racing, I think, before you got into it, Connor, at Knoxville, I think back in 17 or 16 or so, well, maybe a little bit later than that. And uh, then he kind of took some aspects from, leave aspects from Knoxville and did some racing somewhere, other places, I think, too. Um, But, uh, so I don't know. Maybe I'll try to talk to him at the banquet and see what he's up. I don't know what Stelzer's going to do. Um, you know, he might want to race back closer to home in Nebraska. I mean, that's a close to a four-hour drive one way, just a race at Nebraska, just a race at Knoxville. And I know he loves it. I know he likes racing there, but uh, sometimes it just gets tough after doing it for Gosh, I think he's I might be doing it for about ten years now. And this is the last year of uh, I-80 apparently coming up. Yeah, I saw that article, and I, I shouldn't. Don't I shouldn't report on that because the track yeah. owner really like yeah. he hated on that guy for what sounded like. It sounded like he got the information pretty shittily. I think it was the guy that runs that, the quarter. That was bad, but it does sound like they're going to sell the track after next season. I think that information came from the porter potty guy that does that service at the racetrack. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I don't know. Cause he took that article came out and about four hours later, he got on his Facebook page, I speedway or Twitter page and said it was all BS. And that's the only time the local newspaper in Omaha or Lincoln or wherever it's at would cover the racetrack. So I don't know. It's yeah. I think that's, a, that's the worst thing to do is like, Hey, uh, we're never here, but <laughs> this is yeah. what's going on. Yeah. We got a story to sell your papers now or get the link. Well, it's probably more about getting the links on the article on the website now for them. So that's on Absolutely. the paper. Um, yeah, we'll try to do that too. So if you could say anything more outlandish, that'd be great. We want clicks for us. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, well, but- yeah. Eric Bridger wants qualifying back. So he have his own nights and his own, uh, and his own, uh, uh, ability, ability to throw his own night. How about that? So something like that. <laughs> I'll, I'll put that on a quote card. We'll do it. I like that one. Easy. Uh, I was yeah. going to go really crazy with it and say you're requesting an Eric Bridger night once you set the new uh, wins record again. Yeah. By the end of the season, we need an Eric Bridger themed Saturday night at Knoxville. There we go. <laughs> yeah. No. Nope. Oh, but that Eric that Bridger class next year. Back. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, that class next year. Um, all intentions. If what happens, if all those dominoes come into place, it's you grown and Ike and Stelzer. That's going to be a really fun class to watch every week. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely tough competition. I mean, you got Devin, I don't know what Devin Wignall's plans are too. Um, he's going to be tough. Um, Brandon Worryton, he's definitely progressed over the last couple of years. I'm not going to name everybody's drivers because I'm going to forget one and one's going to hate that I forgot. I think you forgot them, but, uh, I mean, basically any it's with that class, anybody can win 
per se. And as long as you have a good night, you have a good heat race in the current format and you get a good invert, clean air is the name of the game, especially when it gets, when it's, especially the first couple of weeks in the year, like April into May, because it usually is cooler tracks heavier and same thing at the end of the year. Usually it, the last couple of years, except for, except for this year, it's been cooler around August for some reason, but, uh, but yeah, so, uh, I mean, it's anybody's game. It's just all about finishing the way the car count is now. It's more about finishing top threes and top fives and having a solid points night. Now, if we go back into qualifying, I'll go back to the same thing. It's about setting quick time. They'll give you 40 points for free for setting quick time, basically. <laughs> and that, that makes up a huge difference. Huge. I mean, that's the heat race only pays 20 points. Well, it doesn't, doesn't pay you. I mean, it gives you 20 points if you win, but if you qualify quick time, that's 40 points you can just gain out of the gate. So, but yeah, it's uh, definitely, I definitely look for next year to be, you know, maybe the guy who wins the championship might have only five wins or three or four. So it's just that competitive. It pays to be fast. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 How big a checkbook is. <laughs> That's a good thing about class though. You don't have to worry about spending, you know, $40,000 on a motor to run. Well, competitive 360 motor Knoxville, probably, I don't know, 50, 60, you know, 410 is about about how much you want to spend. Now, now it's everybody doing that. No, no, not for a local show, but when you get the guys from California, you get the guys from anywhere come August, the run 360 nationals or 410 nationals, they're not coming just to, have fun coming to win. So absolutely. We saw, you know, how tough that was. Uh, I've never seen you look more tired getting out of a race car than when that 360 nationals night was coming around. And it's just, yeah. it's tough to keep ahead of adversity. 360s is tough. There's definitely mad, mad respect, respect, mad, mad prop to them, to them and to the 410 drivers. Um, I can tell you a story here starting out in the 360 class. Uh, you know, we kind of thought, oh, you know, top 10, top 15 in points would be nice. You know, top five, that would be fantastic. And, you know, that was kind of realistic and maybe get a couple top fives and, you know, or maybe put yourself in position to win. Well, I think practice night, if I remember night, we got six laps in and something happened to the motor and we had to send it in. So we missed the first race. Well, then the next race we go out there and I think we qualified like 30, 30 if out of 35. It wasn't good. I, I remember. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. yeah. And you, and you go out, go out there and you thought, man, it wasn't too bad. You can go, we go in there and I asked dad, I first shot off the motor. I said, so how bad was it? Cause I knew it wasn't great. And he's like, like you qualified this out of that. I'm like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> like we got, we got ourselves a long road in front of us. And that's kind of how it was definitely a character building two years. It was, and that was, that was, that's before a good, I, oh, yeah. you sorry, yeah. that was before I really knew Eric. Yeah. So I was still more optimistic, like way more optimistic than Eric was because yeah. we weren't like, close friends or anything like that. So he wasn't going to come up to me and be like, dude, fucking suck. Yeah. But yeah. So that was the, the one thing I wanted to ask too, is like the difference in 
in talent levels and drivers from the 360 to the to the 305 you wouldn't think necessarily but it, it seems like it's a bigger bigger gap than it actually is yeah for sure i mean you are uh, racing against people that have been racing at knoxville for gosh who knows how long and you know when they started they definitely struggled and it's all about you know, do you want to stretch it out? How long do you want to do it? You know, till you are uh, to that level. And it might take you five years. It might take you two years. I mean, a good short term example would be Ryan Giles. He seemed to be really in it fast, strong out of the gate. I know he had some, I want to say modified racing experience before he got into a sprint car. Don't quote me on that hundred percent, but he definitely had some racing experience and he got hooked up pretty well. I think he parked by the 40 car with, uh, uh, Garners and then ran Parker motors. So, and I think he had a good combination, a good setup. And I don't know if he was friends with the Garners before or not, but, uh, that was a good short term experience. I mean, long-term, I don't know. I haven't been in sprint car racing that long, so I don't know if, who's been at it for 15 years if they struggled for 10 10 years and then finally like the 11th year kicked on or six year kicked on. But yeah, I mean, plus two going back to example of qualifying, you know, if you qualify three tenths off in the pro sprint class, that might be difference between first and seventh or first and fifth. Well, if you do that against three sixties on a, you know, fast race track or something like that, that's the difference between first and probably 15th or maybe 20th. So, and it's, that's the that's a, that is a downfall about qualifying too. That determines your if you don't qualify and make the heat race invert. Well, and especially when we race three sixties, you're going to be looking at doing a B main. So it's much closer and much uh, harder to come by uh, that money. You need a lot of stuff, uh, obviously, to go right with you. And we'll we'll get to the Illinois football thing in a second. I do want to ask. Obviously, you have big dreams of anything in a sprint car and it's all about if it's going to work out or not. Yep. What's your mindset right now? And I know I'm a year ahead of this question about if you do go back to the 360 class, what's the number one thing you want to get right? Uh, it's going to be the right thing. Really. Um, you know, probably two motors per se, couple cars, if that ever opportunity presents itself, if it doesn't, it'd probably just be pro sprints too. And, you know, my family's getting older. My dad's getting retired. My mom's getting retired. So as far as having the family car, don't know how long it is. Hopefully in my, my personal work life, I'll be able to support it or support maybe a part-time schedule down the road. And that'd be okay doing that, you know, racing a couple of times throughout the year and just going out for wins. But, um, I think the goal is now is to go out there and maybe get another championship or two and, and as far as the family car goes and, you know, take that as a high note and see what the where the road goes from there. And we, uh, if you guys uh, remember a bit, we were on Eric's car, uh, for a bit this season. Um, and we want to keep, you know, that partnership and everything. If we have money available, uh, to sponsor a race car, you're probably number one on the list of who, who it's going to Eric. So yeah. hopefully that all comes together. Um, and we'll, we'll try to, pound out some of these quotes. I'll, I'll try to get the quote cards going uh, and really make you look like a very big personality to attract some big sponsors. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> I you too. So yeah. Right. You and 
old team and all that. It's been a, you know, great, uh, great exposure this year. Before we jump real quick, I, I got to ask how, how cool is it, you know, driving the family car and being successful? It's definitely pretty awesome. I mean, for, especially the first two years and 17 and 18, um, that was definitely a, uh, um, you know, something you never think would happen, especially 17. That's special. We came really close. And I mean, really close, probably five laps from winning the, my first start in the first race at Knoxville. Um, we had, that was the first year of the pace performance. So we decided to go to that class after racing the year at the fairgrounds. And, uh, unfortunately there was an oil, I want to say oil pump that got, uh, misaligned or misfitted and the engine failed with about five laps to go. And I didn't, I, we didn't know what they were going to do if they were going to recover it or we had to pay some or had to pay some like all of it. And luckily pace stand behind that. Um, so we were able to race that next weekend and that's, that was kind of a long week. Uh, but, uh, uh, but yeah, especially winning, Knoxville points championship in 17, having a rookie year going, going back to that banquet. I think I had to go up on the stage like four times that night. Cause we did the rookie of the year, uh, like team of the year. And then like the championship acceptance speech. So uh, that was a busy night. Uh, and then plus doing it back to back too. I don't, I can't remember anybody did it back to back. I think Stelzer did it after we did after we won it back to back. So being a, I think the first team to do back-to-back was pretty cool. And then, um, yeah. And I think right now you're more third or fourth on the all time wins list at 11 or 10 or something like that. So, uh, you know, hopefully by the time we're done racing and have the family, you know, family cars done for, for my, myself, it'd be kind of cool to be on top of that wins list when it's all said and done. So, and maybe have a couple more championships on the books as well too. So can we, can we host the party for the next championship? <laughs> well, it's going to be. Do you, a, want it, do you want it to be that Saturday? I need to know both of these answers. Well, it's going to be at uh, probably at the casino, probably. So, uh, I mean, you're all welcome to join. So, perfect. Well, let me plan it. I got you. You got to plan it. Yeah. We'll get everything well, there. Yeah. Yeah. Damon will be there with his shirt off. It'll be fantastic. He's got this cool cowboy hat. Yeah. Well, maybe yeah. We can get, like, a party bus or something like that. So, there we go. Yeah. Go back to the glory, glory days. <laughs> I like the way you think. Maybe, maybe we'll uh, watch an Illinois football game. Maybe not. Oh, I don't know about that. If it's gonna be next, if it's gonna be next year, we might want to hold off on that. That'll be probably a year, year or two later. Brett, the Illinois head coach today uh, came on and he he said no one on the two deep is uh, doing their part as players uh, in in the player development uh, area of their team. What what did you what did you think of that? What do you think of Illinois football right now? So we're going full blown on it right now. All right. Okay. <laughs> so, and when we talked about this about a, probably a couple of weeks ago about doing the podcast and it work out, I did thinking about what, what, like one word, like one sentence or one description makes Illinois football. And luckily credit to Robert Rosenfeld, who is Twitter's at a And this guy, he'll write like a 38, thousand word preview on this Illinois football. Now here's a statement that makes it kind of, you know, stick of how much dedication it is. We just came up on the 10th year anniversary since Illinois football has been raked in the AP poll. It was like October. What is, what is, I don't know, this was this like a couple of days ago, like October 11th, 
10th or something like that. 2011 is the last time Illinois has been ranked in the AP top 25. So that's been a decade of that was Ron Zooks last year. And then you had the Beckman years. And then after Beckman got fired for player abuse for making played injured, you had one year of Ryan Cubit, and then then you had Lovey Smith years. Well, I loved Lovey Smith when he was a Bears coach. Lovey Smith was kind of a crook at Illinois. He was definitely take the money and run. He didn't do any in-state recruiting. He didn't do well. He he did some in 2017, but after that, he didn't go to like. There'd be, I guess the rumors been is that he would go back to Texas during the off season. He wouldn't be in Illinois. He just had an apartment. He wouldn't buy a house. It was just in his development of players and Brett pretty much hit it on the line. It was just no, there's just no death. There's no death anywhere. There's no development. It's all been transfer portal, this, or this recruiting special, some player off the, off the line. I mean, it's just, just not it's, good. It's not probably good. been what since that Wisconsin upset where it looked like, Hey, Lovey Smith might have something figured out. Um, and then that went back down the drain real quick. Yeah. And yeah, then you had the flash with Nebraska at the start of this year. Yeah. And that's our, that's already been way gone. Yeah. That's uh, that's probably been the highlight and that's really, really bad is to have those four games in 2019 where you beat Wisconsin, you beat, uh, let's see, Rutgers, you beat some other team. I can't remember who, and you beat like Minnesota, but then you went to Rhode Island and you lost. And, and I mean, you think you're bad at playing Iowa. Well, Illinois hasn't beat Iowa since 2008. There was a couple of years that they didn't play because they had the legends and leaders and all that little bull crap. <laughs> uh, well, bullshit, I should say. I mean, but luckily, and, and here's the most frustrating part. The Big Ten West is probably the worst divisional conference in the power <laughs> five. Like the worst. I think that I think the ACC yeah, Coastal can give you a run. Yeah. Um, I mean, you uh, have such a big opportunity to take advantage like Lovey did. And I think I think Neil Moss is the right guy for the job. It's just going to take like three years probably. Well, maybe probably three years. I mean, I'm hoping for a Matt Campbell turnaround, you know, three and nine, <laughs> five and eight and five or whatever, and then having that big year. But it's probably going to be three years, and it's just – I don't know. This – it's just been one thing after another and just been bad football. Like last, not this week, but the week before that, they only got like 85 yards total offense against Wisconsin. And there's nothing that they can do. They have no skilled players. They have, they have Art Siskoski as their backup quarterback as Brandon Peters got hurt. And, and uh, I, <laughs> and that was a quarterback at Rutgers that threw like four touchdowns, 18 interceptions in his, in his first Eric, year. Eric is like me as a 13 year old, like talking about all these guys at Iowa state that like were yeah. good talents on their own, but not around other talented yeah. people. Yep. Yeah. Before we finish up, I got to tell you about show house too. That's but, what I was uh, going to transition to. He almost won a Heisman. Uh, whoever's saying I'm wrong on that. He, he started five and zero. Oh. We don't need to talk about the other seven games, but he was electric for those well, five games, and that's he more than Steel Jance did at yeah. Iowa State. Steel dropped off after three. Yeah, I love Shieldhouse though. Yeah, if you if you guys ever go to trivia and there's a trivia question about college football about who's the first, who's the only team to ever go six and zero oh, 
and six and six in in college football. That would be the 2011 Illinois Fighting Line. They went six and zero, oh, and then went lost their last six games. Did they win the bowl that year? Uh, they did win the bowl game. That was with intern coach Vic Coning um, as, uh, as the only guy that went one and zero in Illinois football history, program history. So he's the best um, coach ever. Hire that yeah. guy back. Yeah. yeah. I think he got fired in North Carolina for racial search or something like that. I, don't right, know. I take it back. I disavow that. My bad. That's <laughs> unreal. What's your, uh, what's your Shieldhouse story though? You've been touting this to me for like a month. Yeah. So, so Nathan Shieldhouse and honestly, Nathan Shieldhouse, it's probably been the last great quarterback that's been there like best. And that's his last year's John's 13. So you have like seven years of bad quarterback play. Um, I, won't, I won't list them all for you. So <laughs> uh, but, uh, we're getting closer to Illinois fans having a Jersey with Shield house. And then yeah, yeah all the, the way down. Yeah. The, the local college store is going to be the only Jersey for sale. Um, so in 2015, I think 14 Shieldhouse was an offense analysis for Illinois. Well, then in 15, he was going to be doing the same thing. Well, Beckman got fired. Tim Beckman, head coach, got fired for his abusive players for injuries and all that other stuff. And so Shieldhouse got promoted to running backs coach. So then Lovey Smith came, and I think Shieldhouse went back to offense analysis. But I think in 2017 was a year that the NCA allowed the additional um, – additional assistant that 12th assistant i think it was so illinois had opportunity to add shield house as an assistant or take this recruiter out of st louis which was um oh Corey patterson and Corey patterson had a big powerhouse st louis school with some big players like four star five star recruits well illinois went that route with Corey patterson and illinois got two players from there um, well, actually three, one has already transferred out. One hasn't really played a meaningful, meaningful down in football. And one is, was a quarterback and now is a wide receiver. <laughs> so, and then my, from what I've understood is that that's when Campbell kind of snipped him up and made him an assistant and now look where he's at. And he has stole a lot of Illinois in-state recruits to make Iowa state 10 times better than what Illinois has. Yeah. He, uh, so he took over as a running backs coach in uh, 2018, uh, went over to wide receivers for the next two years. And now he's kind of doing a little bit of both um, running game coordinator, running backs, wide receivers, which is what it's listed on Iowa state side as, but yeah. I mean, his career path is just so interesting with that, that season of Illinois football and they were all over sports center every week. It was impossible to go 10 minutes on sports center without seeing Nate Shieldhouse on a Saturday night, like, uh, in to go all the way through this and be this great of a quarterback. And now he coaches running backs and receivers. I just love like the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess interesting tidbit too, is that when Brett Boomer did get hired and started filling as assistant coaches, they did make a call out to Nathan Shieldhouse. And I wouldn't say it would be here in a couple of years or so, but maybe down the road might be a offense coordinator, Nate Shieldhouse, if he gets some experience somewhere else on that. And then I, I would not, 
complain one bit if it would have been head coach Nate, Nate Shieldhouse down the road too. So I think, I think they are trying to really rebuild ties, especially in state and with former players and Shieldhouse is a great example. Mm-hmm. It's a huge uh, thing to do when Northwestern's got billboards next to Wrigley Field saying they're uh, Chicago's Big Ten team. Yeah, and they've kept the well. It used to be the Land Lincoln, I think it's the or some now. Now it's the Land Lincoln Trophy. They kept the Land Lincoln Trophy like the last five years too. It's called the Land Lincoln Trophy. Yeah, it used to God, be. They plastered no. that on everything in that state, man. It used to be something else. It used to be they've. Uh, well, it had something to do with the Indian tribe, I think, um, in the local area. And that's, that's another story for a different day. So. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, Eric, thank you for joining us. Um, yeah. The minute I get off this call, I am going to start this campaign on getting 305 qualifying back in Knoxville. <laughs> Good. Hey, I got a question for you guys for Iowa State football. That's oh, hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I, a couple weeks ago, when we talked about it in our podcast, I figured I asked for you guys. So looking at Iowa state's roster, you know, I'm used to in state Illinois recruiting and following that, but looking at Iowa state's roster, I seem to notice a lot of players from Iowa and I didn't think Iowa that was that big of in-state recruiting. Now is most of those players just reserve depth. I know there's a couple offensive linemen. I think maybe a defense lineman that start that is from the state of Iowa, or is that more of your starters from the state? A lot of the offensive line is, is starters. I think four out of the five offensive linemen are all from Iowa. Um, At least I, I know the left side is because I covered one of the kids at Creston. It's gotcha. I covered Trevor Downey when he was at Creston. Yeah, and, then, um, and he's a great kid. And then I think four out of the five, if not all five are from, from the state as far as starters, I could be wrong, Connor, but I think that's right. Uh, I'm not sure who is starting this week, but a lot of, the linemen are coming from Iowa. Um, so what happened was Paul Rhodes, backgrounds. Yeah. Paul Rhodes went away from that. His, uh, his big thing was taking the scraps from Texas, California and Florida. Sounds and like he'd just take, uh, yeah, he would just take any kid that didn't get power five offers from those big States yeah, you're, and uh, bring them to the winter weather yeah. here. Cause that's where everyone wants to come. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, Campbell. I think that was a huge thing when he took over was getting uh, getting those in-state recruits, and we've seen more uh, skill guys kind of go to Iowa. I think, um, but you know, he's a huge name over there in Ohio. Illinois and Indiana are just on the way back. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's definitely yeah, no, different. It's it's different to see, and you know, you still lose some of those recruiting battles. Uh, I pay a lesser attention to those um, just because, I mean, it's hard to like keep up with a ton of recruiting stuff. Anyways, I do enough at women's basketball, just like, Hey, I got like six kids I'm looking at and that's it. <laughs> but I mean, you got so many for football, you come in and it, you just don't know how they're going to do. Right. So, I mean, you could, you had, there's a guy named uh, Anthony Nelson that played at Waukee high school here. Um, mm-hmm. And he, First committed to Iowa State, then switched to Iowa. Um, and he's supposed to be a huge name. And I'm not trying to say Anthony sucked, uh, but you just never heard his name. 
Yeah. Especially during the Sci Hawk game, at least. I pay attention lesser to the names. Uh, it's easier to see Amir Smith Marset doing a front flip in the end zone. I can promise Anthony Nielsen didn't do that ever. Yeah. Yeah, no, I just thought that was kind of interesting because you look at the recruiting pages, you got like 18 players or 20 players listed from Iowa where you compared to like Illinois, you have like 40 or something like that. Of course, Illinois is a bigger state and you have a bigger pool of players. But, mm-hmm. and of course, looking at the roster too, you know, just kind of seemed to be intrigued to see a lot of Iowa players. And, you know, you know, of course, you have those non-scholarship players too. So they get a walk-on opportunity if you're from, you know, uh, Harlan or, you know, same thing like the Creston or something like that. That'd be like the the opportunity not to take. So especially for your first couple of years. So absolutely. I mean, there was a kid that that I went to to church with. Basically, he's he's playing at at Iowa State as as a scholarship guy. He's a special teams player. So I mean, it they they get quite a few in state, which is impressive. And, you know, it's not always just the, to fill a spot either, which is, is kind of nice. Yeah. No, yeah. And it, it's tough too. And we're really getting on the side of uh, this conversation, but I was not, you know, that hotbed of high school football talent. I think we have a big thing in the state where we have a ton of media people that walk around every week and they're like, we got a huge game coming. We got a, this huge thing. And it, I mean, it's all for what they're working for. Like, yeah, it, it is kind of a cool game and they kind of treat it like a uh, higher level of high school football or like a collegiate level uh, of talent, at least some of the kids on the field. And then the next day or the next week they're on the radio uh, talking about how the parents shouldn't yell at the refs as much. So yeah, they don't even, I mean, it's just complicated in terms of like how big is Iowa high school football, how talented are all these kids. And then ultimately it comes down to how can Kirk Ferentz and Matt Campbell develop them once they get up there. And the more kids that they develop, the more kids are going to get the opportunity. So for sure. All right. Well, Eric, thanks again for joining us. Yeah, uh, thanks. I, I will work on a slogan that rhymes or something. Sounds good. We'll have to do this again sometime. I'm like that. So we'll turn it into a, a normal thing. Um, sometime we'll have to go to a go-kart track. Yeah. I'll yeah. cut like 15 pounds. Last time I went to a go-kart track, it's all about weight. Yeah. The, well, then I can't go. <laughs> Damon's out now. <laughs> Damon, we'll just both cut it. We'll do it with the, uh, when we do Glenn's workout video. There we go. We're getting we sponsors go. for Glenn Savile. We're going to do a big workout video with them where he like chases a donut yeah. on a treadmill or something. <laughs> We have to do, uh, we have to do slide ways. If you do like pole position or something like that, you, uh, if you've never been there before, they always slow you down like the first like five or 10 laps or something like that. So I noticed it, I noticed it a little bit. It's, uh, when the car gets a little extra gear and you're like Uh 10 laps of the race, you're like, Oh, they didn't trust us. Yeah. Yeah. And even if you've been there for a while too, like you, uh, they'll like, wait like two laps and they'll finally get you fully going, but I don't know. It's okay. It's a, diff- it's a nice place, but you know, if you want to have some fun for anybody, it's definitely be slideways or something like that. So we'll get in on slideways. When did, did yeah. they close for the season or no? Cause they're outdoor, I, right? They're outdoor. They might be, I don't know. I don't know the league nights, league nights done, but they might have, uh, um, like weekends or something like that. We'll, figure, kind of we'll out. figure out a time and we'll all get together and have some beers and have a good time. Uh, Eric, cool. thanks again for coming on. Uh, hopefully you guys like them cause we're going to have them on more times than not. I'm going to be like, <laughs> no one's calling me back. So Eric's coming on again. 
Sounds good, guys. Anytime. Appreciate it, man. Yep. I appreciate it too. Thank you.